All right, everyone, welcome to the Above Average Football Fan Podcast for above average football fans and below average football fans who want to learn more about the game, or if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, here we are for episode nine of season two of the Slightly Above Average Football Podcast. I am here with a guy I once saw throw a football clear across the mountains, my good friend, Thomas Bowen. Hey, buddy. It's, it's nice of you to finally join me tonight. A uh, little late, but hey, we're here now. Two-year-olds and their schedules are not always what we want them to be. All right, so we are officially at the halfway point of the 2021 football season. Uh, pretty crazy to think about. Uh, you know, kind of how it always goes with football or any real sport that you're looking forward to. You know, you wait for it all off season, and then before you know it, it's over. Football particularly is that way because there are so few games compared to other sports, both in college and at professional ranks. So halfway point, Bowen. What have you really thought about? What stood out to you? What do you got going on there? You know, I was I was thinking about this earlier today um, and, and really kind of reflecting back on last weekend. And it didn't take me that long to convince myself of this, but last Saturday may have been the best day wall-to-wall of college football in, I'm saying, 10 years. Yeah. I can't think of a better one. When you talk about – and. You know, this was a this was a double TV type day. A um, lot a lot of good stuff going on, but I mean, between Nebraska, Michigan, the Bama A and M game, where did where where did that A and M team come from? Where did that Calzado come from? He he didn't play against Colorado. I can promise you that because that was not the same dude. Yeah, I mean, they they look like a completely different team. Um, that Iowa Penn State game was was a, a slugfest, kind of exactly like we thought it would go. That was a fantastic game, and then. Texas Oklahoma when you you that game kicked off and you blinked and Texas is up 21 to nothing um but let's not forget about the fact that you know the the preseason preseason first rounder and Heisman favorite Rattler got benched mm-hmm. and Caleb Williams comes in and just lights it up for Oklahoma and on that topic I saw a thing on uh Twitter I think it was today Somebody went to like the uh, Oklahoma University of Oklahoma student body search database directory and put in Spencer's name, and he is not listed as a student currently, according to this person. Very interesting. Um, there were rumors he was going to be running to the transfer transfer por- portal as soon as possible. Um, and, uh, you know, I even saw somebody suggest that he may look at South Carolina, of course, with a Shane Beamer connection there from Oklahoma. <laughs> I think that might be, uh, some wishful thinking, but, yeah. um, you know, I, and I honestly, I, I still believe in Doty, not to say Spencer Rattler, we, we wouldn't welcome you. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, um, Doty's got to be a little bit nervous about those rumors, right? Yeah, exactly. He's like, Oh, what are you talking about here? He needs yeah. to stay where he is. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, my halfway point of observation has really just kind of been my ongoing message, I feel like, for the past couple of weeks. There is Georgia, and then there is everybody else. And, and, you know, we initially sort of said that about Alabama. We didn't realize Miami was not back. Uh, breaking news. Once again, <laughs> Miami is not back. Um, but Georgia has just looked Unreal, obviously, particularly on defense. 
but just they they are blowing the doors off people. Like, I hope you got your wood screws in because I'm going to blow your doors completely off days and confused style. And it is just, uh, wow. I mean, it doesn't matter who you line up, they are coming and, and it is something crazy. Yeah. And, 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 and they're, they're, they're getting better and better every week. And then you even look at, you know, this is the point in the season where a lot of really good teams start to get hit really bad with the injury bug. Georgia has been hammered by the injury bug all year. And, but it's next, it's, it's, you know, that cliche, but it's next man up, but the next man up is another five star who just goes out there and crushes it. Exactly. And you've got, you know, to make a little Halloween connection here, you got Jordan Davis who just sort of feels like Michael Myers. He's coming for you. He's huge. And every time you think you're away from him, you turn around and he's standing there like ominously standing over you, ready to end you. He's and a beast. He's just, just ridiculous. I mean, it's crazy. And I agree with you on that Penn State game. That was good football. The AM Bama game, goodness gracious. Uh, that was just something else. And uh shout out Steven Garcia. He got a lot of pub being the you know the last SEC quarterback, still the last SEC East quarterback. Uh, to to have beat Alabama. His name got brought up quite a bit by a lot of people during that game. So we are going to move into our games that we have this week. We're going to make sort of a tweak instead of sort of giving you a, a rundown of what these offenses and defenses do. We're going to play coach. We're going to play coordinator. And we're going to talk about if we were the offensive coordinator, that being me, or Thomas was the defensive coordinator, what we would do in this game. So we're going to start off with Clemson, who's playing at Syracuse, play, talk about the Vanderbilt-South Carolina game, the toilet bowl, if you will, and uh, our game of the week with we've got who's the next victim of the game of the week. It is Georgia versus – who's Georgia playing? I can't even remember. <laughs> Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky, goodness gracious. Now, Kentucky's look good, but we'll get to it. All right, so starting off, Clemson's the away team. We're going to start with them on offense if I'm Tony Elliott. Here's the thing. Syracuse has a very solid defense. They are 22nd overall in total defense in the nation, 32nd in passing yards against, 31st in passing yards or rushing yards. In comparison, NC State's pass defense is 40th in the country. This is the same NC State defense that held DJ to under 50% passing, and he threw a pick, and Clemson did not pick up a third down until the fourth quarter. All of those things are very scary. They've had a week off. They've had time to lick their wounds. They've had time to maybe hopefully reevaluate what they're doing on both sides of the ball, really defense more because of injuries, but on offense, it just hasn't clicked. It hasn't clicked. It hasn't clicked as Gamecock fans here in Columbia. We know something about that for that reason. If I'm Tony Elliott, I am looking to build confidence for my football team, particularly my quarterback, simple reads, clear windows, give him an if-then read. We've talked about that before. The high-low concept, that post out, curl out, all curls, things like that that are, are he can look at one guy, and if that one guy does something, he knows what to do with the ball. By clear windows, I mean you need to throw it in vacant areas most of the time. That's going to be outside the numbers in the short into intermediate game. Syracuse runs that 3-3-5, Thomas, that you love. One of the weaknesses of that is the outside the numbers game 
in that mid-range, kind of that no man's land of backer to safety. That's where you want to attack in that situation. So really, you know, I know that's a quick breakdown, but that's what they're going to have to do. Here's the other thing. They have predicated their offense, their passing game for years on play action passes. Right now, I don't know how much of an option that is for Clemson. They, they have, they're not, if I'm Syracuse, if I'm Tony White's defense, I'm not biting on any play action fakes right now. I'm not super worried about you gashing me in the running game. I'm telling my backers, stay where you are. We'll make plays. So you're going to have to find a way. You may have to change philosophy a little bit and pass to run. Start having that success in the passing game where they got to drop more guys. Then you might be able to get a clear box to run against you know, Thomas, you know, Tony Elliott and the crew have had a week to get things together, and boy, do they need it. South Carolina, I believe, has a bye after this week, and boy, do we need it. And, and it's going to be time to get the ship righted, um, and we'll see. We'll see if they can go up to Syracuse. Clemson, <clears throat> for whatever reason, has had trouble with Syracuse a lot of times, a lot of times, so they're, they're going to find out what they got here. What is, what is Syracuse's plan on defense, Thomas? Point of point of correction there. Um, South Carolina's bye week is the is is the last week of this month. We actually uh, got A and M next week. Oh, I mean that's as good as a bye. I mean, really. Yeah. After what they right. just did to Bama, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> right. Um, this Syracuse defense, you know, you, you mentioned it three three five. They they are uh, a bit undersized up front, but it's perfect personnel for this defense. Yeah. Um, so coming into this game. Uh, a strength of the Syracuse defense is getting after the quarterback. They're leading the ACC in sacks right now, averaging about three and a half sacks a game. Um, so they're definitely going to want to exploit that questionable offensive line. But from a, from a game plan standpoint, if I'm Syracuse here, I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to be aggressive early. Um, I'm going to put my front three on a lot of stunts and slants to confuse that offensive line, which they've been vulnerable to that this year. We've seen that um, they have trouble picking up some of the protections whenever it's coming from all angles. Um, and But I'm going to be aggressive early and often, keep that offense from getting in a rhythm. You mentioned it, how, how uh, if you're Clemson on offense, you're going to get some some high confidence throws and, and get him comfortable back there. Um, if I'm defense Syracuse. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Um, another thing, they've Syracuse. This is, uh, I believe, their number two pass defense in the ACC. And you mentioned it perfectly. How you know if if my linebackers for Syracuse, I'm not biting on on a play action because that threat is not really there. So I could see Syracuse coming with a lot of, and, and I want to know if, if you call this different. I always knew it as um, as a green dog blitz. Yep. And I look at this on passing downs. And, and when I'm talking green dog blitz, essentially it's a delayed blitz, but you've got your linebackers in man coverage. And whenever that linebacker's assignment stays in the block, then he's coming after the quarterback. So it's a little bit of a delayed blitz. And I think that if Clemson does try to run that play action and those linebackers do stay home, you're going to see some of those delayed blitzes and getting after him. So I think that uh, 
this is going to be an interesting matchup for for a, a bit of a floundering Clemson offense right now. So I'm interested to see kind of how this goes. But this Syracuse defense is is nothing to 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 laugh at. This is a legit defense, and I want to see how they match up against Clemson's offense. Fantastic points, man. Absolutely, yeah. I, I know exactly the green green dog blitz, man. I love a good green dog blitz. I I know what that means there. That's that's good stuff. Syracuse's plan on offense. Their their OC is Sterling Gilbert. He previously worked with Dino, is it Barbers? Is that right? I can't remember. Babers. Babers, my bad. They previously worked together at a school that Gamecock fans this season should be very familiar with, Eastern Illinois University. But they were slightly different back then. They had Jimmy G, the starting quarterback, until he got hurt recently for the San Francisco 49ers at quarterback. Did a lot of good things while they were there. Most recently, Gilbert was the head coach at McNeese State before coming over to Syracuse. He runs the veer and shoot. I freaking love this offense. Like, holy moly. Gilbert, once we decide on what we're going to do at OC, if you don't like these cold, snowy winters up north, come on down to Columbia, (laughs) South Carolina, brother. We don't get snow very often. So this is a variation of the run and shoot. Run and shoot is a spread offense. Here's the major difference between the run and shoot or veer and shoot and the air raid. Air raid is very based on pre-snap read. Two high safeties, I'm going here. This guy does this, I'm going here. Set routes, six concepts, seven concepts, and we run it. Go, 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 go. So in a way, the veer offense is completely different, but also completely the same. They may only run a few plays, but the wide receivers and the quarterbacks have to know the options of each route. Let's say you're a wide receiver and you're supposed to be running a post, and there's a safety sitting right on the hash mark you're supposed to break at. You and the quarterback got to know that post is now an in, or that post is now a hitch, or that post is now a go. Whatever has been game planned, it's all option routes. It's it, it very much feels like backyard football. It's it's you know when you think about a quarterback who's broken the pocket, he's getting pressured, he's pointing at guys to run which way or the other, go deep, do this. That that's kind of every play. I mean they they plan it, but that's kind of how this works every play. So it's a different way of attacking the defense. All offenses want to just do something that the defense is going to have to say, well, no matter what they do, they're wrong. They're going to do that by saying, no matter what you do, we're going to adjust on the fly to it. Whole lot of option routes. So the first thing I got to make sure if I'm the OC at Syracuse Gilbert, I got to make sure my guys are all on the same page. We can't have these option routes where I think my wide receiver at court, if I'm the quarterback is going one way and he's actually going another and we throw a a ball that's like, whoa, who was that to? Can't have that, can't give Clemson gifts. That's going to be key number one. My other thing is I'm getting my quarterback involved in that run game very early. He is a true dual threat. Garrett Schrader? Schrader. Yeah, you nailed it. Schrader, got it. And he is a really – he's a doggone good runner. They love to use that QB counter which uh, Carolina has used in the run game when they're not, you know, letting defensive ends throw the ball, um, where you bring your backside guard and tackle or your backside guard and maybe a uh, tight end or an H-back, and they're they're kicking out and and digging the hole as offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches and offensive linemen like to say, 
he, he's really good at that. They also have a little bit of the QB read game coming out of the pistol. They do like to run this out of the pistol. My biggest thing I'm going to do as offensive coordinator, I'm putting Clemson's linebackers who are depleted by injury. I'm putting them in uncertainty. All my run plays are going to be really strongly based on QB reads. I want them to freeze for a second and think, is he going to keep it? And they have their feet in concrete to give us an extra edge to the line. Also, and I, I usually am sort of not big on these types of plays, I'm hitting my RPO game hard. Again, if they come sucking up, flying up at linebacker, I'm throwing it right behind them, throwing it in those windows, those slants, those outs, those sticks that can come from, from that play. So really, really quick passes, particularly, particularly attacking the middle of the field. I think Clemson and Coach Venerables is going to be aggressive, as he always is, and a lot of that's going to end up vacating the middle of the field, and it's going to end up causing them to have some holes. If Syracuse picks up those extra blitzers, those holes are going to be exposed, and Syracuse can get some big plays here. Listen, they scored a lot of points against Wake, uh, lost in an overtime game, did a lot of good things there that you have to take in consideration as Brent Venables. He likes to be aggressive, bring extra guys on that pass rush. You got to think, what happens if we don't get home? What are we leaving ourselves exposed to? And that is going to be the big key of this game on Syracuse's offense. Thomas, tell us about Clemson's plan on defense in your mind. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that about Venables because the the way that I would game plan for this is wildly different than we know Venables is going to play it. Exactly. Because I'm, I'm blitzing very little in this game. I'm going to let my front four go to work. Right. You know, notwithstanding the fact that Clemson is missing, of course, they're starting two defensive tackles. I didn't see a whole lot of push up front from these backups against BC. Syracuse is, I, I believe they're the number one rushing offense in the ACC. Yep. So you're right. I am letting my linebackers sit back and read. Mm-hmm. I'm also putting a spy on Schrader because he can crush you. If, 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 if Clemson's front four can get home and Venables does not bring extra pressure, then if Schrader gets flushed, you've got to have a spy on him because he's going to hit you for some big chunk plays. Um, you know, but I've also noticed that Syracuse likes to run that play action off of that outside zone. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes back to the linebackers. They've got to play disciplined football. They're going to be run a lot, probably from sideline to sideline. So I'm letting them sit back, read the offense, and play coverage, do what they need to do. But of course, we know that's not the way that Venables is going to play it. So they better hope that they get home or else Syracuse could have some big chunk plays. Absolutely. And again, like you, you're, you, you are thinking exactly what I'm thinking. If I'm the Syracuse offensive coordinator, I'm thinking they're going to bring heat. So I'm going to play behind it. But if I'm Dabo, which I know Dabo kind of doesn't get involved in the X's and O's, at least that we know about a whole lot. I'm, I'm really telling venerables, Hey man, let's, let's just play ball. Let's just snap the ball, read and react. We don't need to be bringing all these extra dudes. We don't need to be doing this. And, you know, again, Dabo has a way of doing things. I think he does, um, you know, kind of be hands off on that, unless his coordinator's coach, which, hey, I'm all here for it. But at the same time, he's got to, uh, you know, maybe give him some, some consideration there. And Venable's a good football coach. He's probably thinking the same thing. We'll see. So at the end of the day, Thomas, I ask you a very simple question. Who you got in this game, man? 
I'm, I'm going to go with Syracuse. If, 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 this game was, if this game was a nooner in Clemson, I'd be picking Clemson. But this is a Friday night game at Syracuse. We have seen – now, it's usually been on Thursday nights, but we've seen that can spell trouble for Clemson. Um, being, being off last week, I think, is surely going to help them. But I think Syracuse is going to play lights out, and I, I'm going to give them the edge on this one. All right, man. Now, I'm, I, I hear you. And I'm not doing this just to be different, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Clemson here. If it, and I, I like your logic, but I will say if it wasn't for the fact that Clemson was coming off of a bye week, that they hadn't had two weeks to get things straightened out, you know, get things working, get healthier, kind of work on timing stuff like that. Now, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase uh, Lee Corso here. It's gonna be close, closer than the experts think. I do think Clemson comes out on top. But here's the caveat to that. Syracuse is hungry and Syracuse is angry. They really should have beat Wake last week. That really should have been their win and they didn't get it. And so that can go one of two ways. You can be disheartened, you can be flat, or you can be flat out angry, ready to rock and roll and take it out. And listen, here's the thing about Friday. And 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 Coach uh, Dino Brimmer, tell me Babers, he is very much a fire you up type of coach. He he is that that fire you up coach. So if I'm him, I'm going to the locker room and say, boys, we are the only college football game on tonight. Everybody in the country, every coach you who didn't recruit you, every coach who didn't think you were good enough to play for them, they're going to be watching. All your girlfriends, all the other girlfriends around the country, they're going to be watching. Show them that you guys are better than Clemson and go out there and play with your hair on fire. Might happen, might not. I, I'm giving it to Clemson as an edge, but like I said, Syracuse has been a house of horrors for Clemson in the past couple of years. It could happen. It could happen. I'm, I'm gun shy after my big upset prediction. We'll talk about what that cost me here in a second. Um, so, man, I think I think I think Babers might need to get you in the locker room because that got me a little fired up. Hey, listen, man, I got a little coach still left in me. I got a little coach <laughs> left in me. All right, so Vandy, Carolina. We'll start off with Carolina, or excuse me, Vandy's offense because they're the road team. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. When you watch Vanderbilt on tape, there's not a lot to go. Oh, that's what they can hang their hat on. That's what they can do. That's what they can do. There's just not it's 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 been a tough sledding for the Commodores this season so far. Uh, so my first thing is, and I hate to say this and put the handcuffs on the quarterback, but play it safe. We can't if you're Vanderbilt, you can't turn the ball over. Thomas, if I'm remembering correctly, last week against Tennessee was South Carolina's first game all season without an interception. Does that sound yes to you? yep, yep, you are spot on. So they are ball hawks. You know, Tennessee did not have a turnover in that realm, but Vanderbilt has been prone to interceptions, particularly on their side of the 50. So what happens when that happens? You give the team a short field, and it's going to make an offense, unless you let the defensive end pass the ball, uh, really have a good chance of scoring some more points. So they got to be careful with this ball. Punting is not necessarily a bad thing if you're Vanderbilt. This, you are punting is your friend if you're Vanderbilt. You you want to play field position football as of now, and I mean I know I'm being super critical and throwing out some jabs here. As of now, Carolina's offense has not shown very often the capability to go up and down the field and score touchdowns. 
So if I'm Vanderbilt, pin them deep, pin them deep. Don't, don't get crazy, ride it out, ride it out, ride it out, and still be there in the fourth quarter. That's my message. Guys, we're going to fight, 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 fight. And in the fourth quarter, we're going to take it to them. If I'm Vandy, that's what I'm talking about. Also, if I'm Vanderbilt, I'm hitting those short passes in the middle, getting some chasers going uh, with some mesh-type game, things like that. Because let's be honest, right now, South Carolina's weakness is speed in particular at linebacker. So I'm taking my, my wide receivers, my slot receivers, and I'm, I'm making those linebackers cover them, especially going maybe an in-out, V-route, or like I said, a mesh concept where they got to chase these, these wide receivers, and I'm running them sideline and sideline and making them show me they can catch us. All right, so what you got on defense for Carolina? Yeah, yes. The a big question mark here is as you mentioned with the linebackers for South Carolina. So so I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be aggressive early with some blitzes, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because again, if, if Vandy wants to hit some of those quick passes and go after those linebackers and attack the 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 speed or, or lack thereof at South Carolina's linebacking level, then I'm gonna want to get to that quarterback often. I want to make him cough it up. Um, I'm not going to give him a chance to get in that rhythm. You mentioned earlier he's he's only thrown five touchdowns and seven picks, I believe. So yep. this is a game that that I want I want my defense to get some of that confidence back as being a, a turnover producing machine. Um, so I, I think I think really I'm going after him early. the The offensive line as well is is extremely extremely questionable for Vanderbilt. So. I, South Carolina's defense got a, a little—I don't want to say exposed last week. I mean, they were they were running wide open the whole game. You play a tempo team like that, you're going to end up getting gashed. And Tennessee has a fantastic running game anyway. But additionally, look for so a, a wide receiver for Vanderbilt, Cam Johnson. This guy is is super speedy. He gashed Colorado State in the second half with a lot of those quick passes. So I'm man press on him. I'm not going to give him a chance to get off the line. I'm jamming him as hard as I can at the line. And, and then again, as long as you can keep him at bay and don't let him get open for those quick passes, this Vanderbilt offensive line is, is, is ninth in the SEC in sacks allowed and they're 12th in yards per rush attempt. So I'm going after that. I'm going to be very aggressive. Honestly, this is the game that I would call a defense like Brent Venables, and I would just get after it early. Absolutely. And, and to me, I, <clears throat> I never, you know, played or, or coached defense. But in my opinion and in the coaches I've been around and listened to and whatnot, when you have a lack of speed at linebacker, you almost got to blitz to make up for that. You know, if you need to make plays in the backfield, they need to be getting started early. And the only problem is you do that, you can't get caught. You got to get through. You know, when you have an A-gap blitz or a double A-gap blitz, you better, better get home because you just expose your underbelly real bad if you don't. Um, but I, I, th- I agree with that plan. If, I, if I'm if i Coach White, uh, I'm 100% rolling with what you're talking about. All right, Carolina's offensive plan. I've been talking a little smack, been a little throwing some jabs. You know, I'm a little – Frustrated, um, as I know all Gamecock fans are. Thomas and I are in group text with some of our buddies um, that uh, we do some score predicting and whatnot. I got I got in my feels, man. I got in my feels. I got my, my Garnet pride going. And I also, I got my coach's mojo going. I, as a football coach, you can talk yourself into, we can out-scheme this and win this ball game. And I'm going to be honest, 
It didn't happen. And a lot of it had to do with scheme. I'm just going to call it as I see it. A lot of it had to do with scheme. But as a result of our loss on Saturday, this coming Friday uh, at work, I'll be wearing a Clemson shirt. Thanks to Jake Barker, as we call him, good old tiger snake. And um, Lee Coleman, our, 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 our friend and biggest Clemson fan we know, offered me a shirt. I turned him down. I have one to wear. But all that aside, if I'm the offensive coordinator, I'll, and obviously, Thomas, you and I know this. We, you and I know the most about the South Carolina football team as far as fans and what we watch. We, we love football. We love college football. We, we talk about other games, and we watch other games, and we watch tape. But at the end of the day, we are Gamecock fans, so we spend the majority of our time watching, talking, thinking about this. So I've put a lot of thought into this as an offensive coordinator. If I'm playing offense coordinator, very first thing, Stick to what has been working. There hasn't been a lot. There hasn't been a lot, but whatever it is, look at your film. You've got guys who are GAs and analysts all over. Have them watch the film, what formations, what plays, and what spots on the field were working, and run them. Stop trying to get new stuff, new wrinkles. You do that when you've got good things going on. Right now, we don't. You need to get to what is working. Stick with what is working. Find what is working. Our, our passing game needs to be heavy play action with rollout passing. When we had success against Tennessee in this game, it was on the roll. And really, if you look hard at what Doty has done, he throws better right now on the run. I think oh, yeah. it's because he kind of loads up when he's in the pocket and he gets a little too fired up and wants to throw that perfect pass and ends up hurting him on the run. He's being an athlete. He's throwing the ball. Do it. Also, just, you know, we joked last week and maybe he does. Coach Satterfield, if you're listening right now, get EJ on the field. Get him on the field with Josh Van at the same time. Same time. Thank you. Same time. And make them choose who they're going to double. Just try it. Give it a shot. And I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You got to do it. Now, one thing I do feel like is because he's listening to us, we're going to use a lead blocker. He said today in his press conference, he's going to, the fullback is back, baby. We have got a fullback in the Gamecock offense again. Thanks for figuring that out after six weeks. That's what Kevin seems to run the best behind. And, you know, I know Trey Jones, the converted offensive lineman, was big number 44 for us. Jaheim Bell needs to be in that role some too because of what he can do as a blocker and as a pass catcher. Lead blocker in B-gap and out. So for our listeners, what's B-gap? It's usually hear more about gaps on defense. A-gap is the the space between the center and the two guards. B-gap is the space between the guards and the two tackles. We have really had our most success, Thomas, running the ball with everybody, B-gap and out. B gap and out. And, and so I'm not saying we can't attack inside the tackles, hit B gap, hit B gap, hit B gap. So get under center and play with a little bit of tempo. Thomas, the third drive of the game for South Carolina against Tennessee, which ended in disaster with a bad call. But it was a thing of beauty before that. I want you to listen to these stats and tell me how many drives for South Carolina this season you can think of where this happened. 10 plays, 
73 yards. So we're at 7.3 yards a, a play. Zero negative plays. No stopped in the backfield. No sacks. All positive gains. No penalties. Zero penalties. Doty threw three passes. He completed all three. So your quarterback goes three for three, no negatives, and you're averaging 7.3 yards a carry. So it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. That's the offense we've been wanting all year. Exactly. And I loved the scheme we were running from the passing game. We saw some, some out and curl. We saw some Y stick. I talked with Clemson's team, easy reads, one man reads it. This was what I like to call a, we don't care what you're doing on defense concept because whatever you do, we got an answer for it. Our concept will work. Stick with it. You've got a young quarterback, do it. So you literally, literally get on the one yard line for first and goal and you bring in Dak Joyner and run like a wishbone type backfield in the pistol. Dak has shown us over and over again, over and over again, he's going to run the ball. You know, Coach Beamer, Never pointed, it. Coach Beamer pointed out that they had it designed where he could throw it and two tight ends were open or he could have given it to Lloyd who would have walked in the end zone. All that's great. All that's great. But so far we hadn't seen him do it. And it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense to keep going back to the well and expecting to get something different. Then the, the I guess it would be third down play, third and goal, You've got Birch in at tailback, and you've got an offset back to the strength, and you run this tailback sweet pass with a defensive end who who doesn't throw the ball very often. You know, my dad and I were talking about this today. Thomas, here's where you run that play. And my dad's the one who pointed this out. Shout out, Dad. You were the one who pointed this out to me. Do you know where you run that play? You run it on fourth and one at like the 38, 39-yard line of Tennessee. Yes, space. Where there's space and where you, they think you bring in this big dude, you bring in this big body, they're like, okay, they're jamming it up the middle. They're going to jam it up the middle. We need to load the middle. And then when you toss it, they're like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. He's going to run it outside. We didn't expect that. Come flying up. And you just said the magic word, space everywhere to throw that ball. It, everything shrinks in the red zone. The hardest thing in the world is to score in the red zone because the field is so much smaller. The thing that the offense has an advantage on on all times is there is too much space for the defense to cover. It's just true. There is not enough space. There's always somebody open on offense if you block everybody. So when you shrink the field in the red zone, particularly at the one-yard line, you're making it very hard to throw the ball. That's why a lot of people don't do it. And so I just don't get it. Coach Satterfield has come out and said, you know, if I had that one back, we'd probably redo it differently. You know, Coach Beamer, I appreciate him being a good head coach after the game, protecting his guys, saying, hey, I have veto power. I didn't veto it. I thought it was a good play. I appreciate all that. But if honest is honest, that was not a good call. And again, the other example I gave when I was talking to my dad about this, let's say, Thomas, before that play, let's say we had pinned Tennessee deep and there was a fumble, and we got the ball on the two-yard line. So we've run two plays, and we're getting stuffed. To me, then on third and goal, you go, okay, let's get tricky. Let's, let's, let's get a little tricky here. But you had shoved it down their throat for 10 plays. Seven out of 10 were rushes. Don't stop doing it. You know, it just 
when I was coaching freshman ball, not even varsity high school ball, freshman ball, me and my buddy Cal Sager were calling plays, and our coach came over to us. Our head coach, Justin Gentry, grabbed me at halftime. He said, stop getting cued inside the red zone. That's where it gets harder to run offense. Stick with what's working when you get what got you there. I just want us to do that. Stop leaving points on the board by getting too cute, trying to out uh, smart yourself. So on offense, let's call it how we see it. This is a game South Carolina should win easily. The spread is 17 and a half, 18 and a half, somewhere in that realm. This should be a game you roll. This should be a game you roll. Build those confidence plays. I love getting the fullback. Let's get a 100-yard rusher. Let's get Kevin Harris 100 yards rushing. And let's get Doty 200-plus passes and two touchdowns. Let's do this. Build some confidence because I did think we had a bye, but now we don't. We're going to go to A&M. You, you got to find a way to write the ship. Thomas, tell me about Vandy's plan to stop all that on defense. You know, it's, it's, it's funny to, to, to talk about how I don't think Vanderbilt can do a whole lot to stop this offense, this offense that we've been dogging on for, for so long. But this – Again, this is just not a very good Vanderbilt team, and that's saying a lot for Vanderbilt standards. They're, they're, they're last in the SEC in sacks. They've only got three sacks on the year. Uh, they've only got six interceptions. Normally, if this, if this was even a middle-of-the-pack SEC team with the, way that SC, with, with the way South Carolina's offense has been going or, or rather not going, uh, they wouldn't even need to load the box to, to stop the run and force South Carolina to pass. But – they're, they are so slow on defense, and so I, I really don't know what, what they're going to do here. I, honestly, if anything, I'm going to be bringing pressure from the edge because Vanderbilt tends to give up. Most of their big runs are outside runs, and it's because their edge defenders are just, just bad in space. They don't have a lot of speed there. So if South Carolina is hitting some of those outside runs, the outside zone, and hitting the corners – I'm going to have to start bringing cornerbacks in something to, to stop that and try to seal the edge. But otherwise, like, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to talk about South Carolina's offense, but there's just not a whole lot Vanderbilt can do here. I, I, I mean, I agree. They, they, South Carolina has an uphill battle. We, you know, we really got to hit recruiting and transfer portal and, and, and get better quick. But um, there is a lot – uh, that Vanderbilt has to get better at before they're going to be super competitive. And with that being the case, I think, you know, South Carolina is going to win this game. The question of who you've got, who you got, it's pretty simple here. It's going to, it should be, it should be South Carolina. Somebody mentioned on a message board or something, what happens if we lose this game? Somebody even said, what happens if we get shut out? Good Lord. Like Williams Bryce will not be standing if we were shut out by Vanderbilt this week, not to mention if we lost to Vanderbilt. So let's not let let's not think that way, Gamecock fans. Vanderbilt, no disrespect. I think you got a good coaching staff. It's going to take some time to make you competitive, but this is a South Carolina victory. Switching gears now to Kentucky versus Georgia. Thomas, we've talked about Kentucky's offense before. We've talked about their defense. We've talked about Georgia's everything. So this is going to really be our breakdown where we talk as coaches the most. Here's my thought process if I'm Kentucky's offensive coordinator. He likes to preach balance. He wants to run and pass. That's great. Here's what I do with Jordan Davis. I'm going to block him a million different ways. So what does that mean? First of all, I'm going to double team him. I'm going to double team him. I'm going to make him work. I'm going to stretch him. We're going to run a true jet sweep, and I ain't even blocking him. 
I'm going to get that big dog excited about chasing that little rabbit going across the side of the field there, and I'm going to make him run. Then I'm going to do it again going the other way. Then I'm going to trap him. I'm going to have my guard come down on him, hit him in the ear hole, bring my center around on a play. That's the only thing you can do. Tire him out, hit him from every different direction, get him tired. There are very few defensive tackles that, that you can say are the centerpiece of their defense. Glenn Dorsey at LSU back in the day, or obviously Warren Sapp up in the pros, guys like that, that they can build. This team can be built around, and in my opinion, in a lot of ways is built around Jordan Davis because he can be so disruptive. You're not going to be able to block him one-on-one. You're going to have to do this to him, make him think, make him go everywhere. Move the pocket is the other piece. Make him chase that quarterback and get extra blockers to the point of attack. Guard, ta- guard tackle, p- counters, things like that. And finally, the name of the game this week, if you are Will Levis, the quarterback for Kentucky, throw the ball away. If it's not there, don't give up the big sack and do not throw an interception. You cannot give Georgia's defense anything extra. They can't get you behind the sticks. You can't give them a turnover. When in doubt, throw it away. Thomas, what do you got for the defensive plan for Georgia other than just be Georgia's defense? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty much that. You know, everything Kentucky does offensively is based off of them being able to run the ball, right? And, I mean, it, even if you look at if you look at some of the better defenses that Kentucky has played, uh, Florida and South Carolina, I mean, against Florida passing, Levis was like, threw for less than 100 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Against South Carolina, threw for 100 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. So they've got to be able to run the ball. But who can you not run the ball against is Georgia. So if I'm Georgia here, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing my defense. You, we know that, that Davis is going to draw a lot of double teams, as he does. But when that happens, those linebackers – they need to be plugging those holes. So I'm going to be, I'm going to play aggressive with my linebackers. I'm going to plug those holes. I'm going to eat up those gaps as well, but definitely just keep Kentucky off balance because if, if, if I can shut down that run game and make them one dimensional, there's no way that Kentucky can, can hold up for this long. Um, It's Kentucky is also without their starting wide receiver, Josh Ali, so they're really going to be trying to establish that run game early. And so I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I'm going to do what Georgia does is just mush people to death. Georgia just mushes people. And that's what they're going to do this week. Absolutely. Um, so on Georgia's offense, uh, Thomas, unless you've read differently, I believe it's still our man, future uh, life insurance salesman, uh, Stinson Benson Bennett at quarterback, right? Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, it's uh, everybody keeps talking about um, what I've been reading is I, f- I feel like Bennett, he's been playing so well for, for JT Daniels while he's out, but, but Bennett is, is due for that, for that game where he just yeah. doesn't shine. And, of course, as a, I'm sure Kentucky fans hope it happens this week, but who knows. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with you there. So, again, you know, to make this super simple, play that Georgia football. You've got a good running game. Play behind it. Play, play action. I mean, the biggest thing that Georgia's offense could do to hurt their chances to win this game is to put the Georgia defense in bad places, put them in short fields, give up pick six, things like that. I want, if I'm Georgia, we're thinking 
Bama, of course, Kirby from Bama. We're thinking Bama early 2000s on offense. Give the ball off, score. Lord, if you can score 14, 17 points based on what your defense has been doing this season, that might be all you need. That might be all you need. So, you know, just don't do anything crazy. You're right. I agree. Georgia fans, I'm sure, are waiting for it. I know I'm thinking it. Georgia, Stinson Bennett is, you know, got you got to think that something is coming down the pipe where he has a rough start. He, you know, he's there's you're the backup quarterback for a reason. You're a backup quarterback for a reason. There's something that you don't have that the starter has. And, you know, he's done a great job. Admirable. Really, really good. Maybe they can ride, you know, with this defense, they can ride him as long as they need to. But he, it does feel like, okay, there's going to be a chance for him to make these mistakes. Now, he has thrown some picks in his day. He has thrown some picks. He threw two against South or one against South Carolina. And then I think JT uh, Daniel threw another one. But he's thrown some picks in his time in there. And so he can make mistakes. Hand the ball off, son. Give it off. Let's get you the Bulldogs to seven and zero. What's Kentucky's defensive plan, Thomas, to stop that from happening? Uh, well, it's 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 a bad week on the injury front defensively for Kentucky coming into this game. They're down two starting defensive linemen in Oxendine and McCall, and so. <laughs> When, when, again, when you're playing Georgia, the team that mushes you to death, right. and, and to really expound on that, you know, Georgia's running back depth is, is that they're so deep there, and they've got fresh legs in the fourth quarter. So, whereas what might have been a, a two to three yard carry in the first quarter is probably going to be a five, six, seven yard carry in the fourth quarter because they've still got fresh legs. So, it, I think this is, this is going to be up. Obviously, this is going to be Kentucky's defensively their toughest matchup of the year, without question. Um, the play-action game is there. Um, we talked earlier uh, in some earlier weeks whenever we broke down Kentucky's defense that it is more of a, of a, a little bit of a passive defense, um, and, and they're going to give up some yardage between the 20s. So, honestly, if I'm Kentucky, uh, I, I'm not going to go real blitz-heavy here because – Georgia, particularly with that play-action game, will just take the top off that defense. As, as aggressive and as honestly pretty sound as the secondary is for Kentucky, if they get the top taken off of them a few times, it's just really going to shut that defense down. So, honestly, I, I'm, I'm not going to play it super aggressive. Uh, I'm going to sit back and let my linebackers do the work. I'm going to let um, the, the edge defenders try to get home. But otherwise, man – this is this is a tall order for Kentucky defensively, offensively. I think Kentucky is going to be brought back down to earth a little bit this Saturday. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, we made this comparison earlier in the show calling Iowa and Penn State a heavyweight fight. There was an actual heavyweight fight uh, Saturday night, uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. If you watch that fight, first of all, Tyson Fury does not look like a professional athlete. Mad respect to the Gypsy King, but as my friend Jake Flowers pointed out, he looks like a bag of milk out there when he gets hit. He's just rippling everywhere. But <laughs> one of the things he did, he was 277 pounds compared to his opponent who was at like 239, 240. He leaned on him. He leaned on him. He put his weight on him. As they were, as you know, they were locked up and things like that. He's literally, you could see it in the fight. I watched the fight. He's along with being a very good boxer. And that's a smart play when you're the heavier man. He's leaning on him, making him more tired. That's what I feel like George is going to do to Kentucky. 
They're going to lean on them and they'll wear you down and wear you down and wear you down. And I just don't know, even though Kentucky has some, some really good success this year, obviously at six and zero, I don't know. They got the horses, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And you know, six and zero, sure. But if you look a little deeper, let's not forget the fact that that four of those wins were by a touchdown or less, yep. and three of those teams are terrible: South Carolina, Missouri, <laughs> and UT Chattanooga. So I think I think that's that's one thing to look at. And then another thing is this this stadium. Georgia's got a buy next week. They are locked in. It's homecoming. It's a three thirty game. Sanford Stadium is going to be ridiculously loud this is only this is Kentucky's second road game of the year the first one was here to Columbia which was loud at least for a little while uh but Sanford is going to be deafening this Saturday and I think this is this this is obviously is going to be a really true road test for Kentucky and I think dog fans are going to be foaming at the mouth see what I did there see what I did oh I like that nice nice. they're going to be foaming at the mouth for this they feel it there, as much as there, you know, we have that that great SEC short where they talk about Georgia fans and and hope, but like they're starting to feel it, they're starting to believe, they're starting to think they can do this, and they see a weakened Alabama team and they're really licking their chops. Man, I'm just killing it with these right now. Um, <laughs> they they you're exactly right. That crowd is going to be going bananas. They are there for blood. This is the Romans in the old Coliseum at this point, waiting to see these gladiators take you out. Uh, I, I just see, Thomas, when we get down to the who you got question, I think it's clear both of us think it's UGA. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I, I think that there was a lot of Kentucky fans that were a little disrespected by the line when it came out. Georgia came out favored at 22 and a half points. But honestly, I, I think – I could see Georgia winning this like a 37-42-10 type of game. Like, I think Georgia is going to cover and they're going to roll. Other than the opening Clemson game, who who has Georgia not rolled and, and just put major points up on? Exactly. And, I mean, at this point, they have played some pretty good football teams. And every time we think, here's the matchup that's going to be a struggle for them, it hadn't been. I mean, you can get cute with it and all those things – the reason there's a saying that goes defense wins championships is because if you can stop the other team, you can win the ball game. And oh, yeah. there is no defense that I can remember in college football right now, other than some of these Bama defenses of before. I won't say past seasons right now, I should say in college football, there is not a defense on Georgia's level. There's not a defense on Georgia's level. And until somebody shows us differently, yeah, 22 sounds right. You should just go ahead and put that up to as their line for really going forward, maybe to Atlanta when they play Bama. Uh, they're going to steamroll, and, and I, it's not against it's not a Kentucky disrespect thing. It's a Georgia's ridiculous thing. So yeah. bar, barring some crazy something happening, I see Georgia winning easy. All right, man, another great week here on the Slightly Above Average Football Fan. Fans, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure and download, rate, and review us, particularly rate and review us. That is what gets us noticed. That is what gets us moving up the charts. Go ahead and get those subscription numbers up as well. You can follow us on social media at at SAA football fan. That's at SAA football fan on both Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, it is the slightly above average football fan podcast. Thomas, my man, as always, it was awesome. 
Yeah, man. Had a great time. Looking forward to another good weekend of football. I'll meet you at the Rocket for a turkey leg. All right, my man.